Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. So, you know, my whole goal here in talking about the ministry of helps is to get you to just get a revelation of the fact that that you're called to the ministry of helps. It's not whether you want to be or not. It's that you are called into the ministry of helps. You know, and we started off by saying that, the ministry, that Jesus has put us into the ministry of reconciliation already. That we are ambassadors for him. So we're already partnered with him in the big sense of things. But on the local level, he has told us that we are supposed to be a part of the local church body. He has set every one of his children, there's a place for them in the local church. And, and some people say, well, I don't need a pastor. Yes, you do. Well, no, I don't. Yes, you do. If God didn't think you needed one, he would not have put them in the body. He would not have ordained that there be pastors. He would not have given pastors visions of what that church is supposed to do and supposed to accomplish. He gave, gives pastors a vision for a particular place. And see, every church ought to have a vision. I mean, I, I, I told you this before. I see a lot of churches who's got some great slogans. But is it more than just, it should be more than a marketing slogan. It should be something that's been backed up with the word and prayer. If there's not a scriptural backup to that, to that slogan, whatever it is, then it's not from God. There's not a vision attached to that church. We know what ours is around here. Acts 26, 16, you know, those next three verses, and you can go read it anytime. It's been our vision for years and years and years. And every department operates with that premise in mind that they are there to fulfill and enlarge that vision. That that's what we are called to do, no matter what age, whether it's in the tiny tots, whether it's in the primaries, whether it's in Faith Island, whether it's in the enraged, wherever it is, we are here to take that vision and to expand it. That's what our job is. And so you think, well, you know, what's, so what's the big about the ministry of helps? It's the ability to physically partner with God in the big plan that he has. You can physically partake of God's plan. You can help fulfill his plan. He can do nothing in this earth unless he uses people. People. That, that's, that he, he has to do it through us. He required, it's required that we pray. You know, because without prayer, he can't do anything in the earth. Somebody has to give him permission to do what he wants to do in this earth. Because for right now, this, this, this whole environment that we live in is actually, we're on the territory of the enemy. Right now, it's on lease to the enemy. But, you know, we're ambassadors. We've been sent here basically from another place. We are here to represent the kingdom of God and to, and to, and to demonstrate to this world what the kingdom of God looks like, sounds like, acts like. Amen. And so in the ministry of helps, we can do that. I don't want to do a too much review. But um, so tonight I want to, uh, I got one page that's kind of a, a wrap up. We'll just save that. I think I do. Yeah, I think I do. Yes, there it is. Um, but, you know, if you're going to go to work for somebody, don't you like to know what, they, what they're looking for? 
Wouldn't you like to know what, what they're, what, I mean, what qualities they're looking for in an employee, in, in somebody, you know, that they're going to hire, that they're going to put to work in their business? Well, I think we ought to find out what God's looking for. And so I've got about six things we're going to talk about tonight, about what God's looking for in people who are going to be in the ministry of helps. Now, you all have the capacity to have every last one of these traits, every last one of these abilities. It's just a decision, a choice that you're going to have to make whether you're going to to fulfill these qualifications. You know, once you're hired by somebody, then they expect you to maintain the qualifications, don't they? It's not just to do this just long enough to get hired and then do what you want. This is what you do to get hired, and this is what you get to do to stay hired. Because they can do something called called giving you a pink slip. I don't know if it's pink anymore. Um, My son got, my older son got got laid off from his job about three months ago, a place he'd worked for about 19 years and kind of took him by surprise. He said, I have never been let go from a job. You know, it was just he was laid off because of a particular department was kind of winding down. And, uh, you know, God supernaturally just turned that situation around, and he wound up with a job that uh, pays him more than he left. You know, he wound up with a big, huge severance package that he didn't use all of it up in the three months he was off work. And he he got to do a whole lot of things that he'd been putting off doing just at home and different things and wound up with a job with better pay and better benefits than what he left. And what he left was good. (laughs) So, you know, these are the things we want to talk about. So anyway, number one, the very first thing God is looking for is a willing person. It's really nice that we sang that song tonight. How did that thing go? Does anybody want to tell me? I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. Now, we can sing that song and not be paying a bit of attention to the words of that song. Not pay a bit of attention. It just kind of naturally just kind of flows out. It's okay, we know that song, you know, we just know. You can just sing it without even thinking, you know. But stop and think. Is that what you're saying to the Lord? I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. Covers a lot of territory, doesn't it? I'll do what you want me to do, but I am not serving in the nursery. I didn't hear any qualifications like, you know, like, you know, disclaimers in that song or uh, things, you know, a little, okay, I'm going to do this as a, what's the word I'm looking for, folks? Um, uh, An exception to it. There weren't any. You know, when, you know, over in Isaiah, it says, here am I, Lord, send me. But don't send me here is what some people add to it. God's not looking for buts. Mm -mm. No. So don't show yours. Amen. It says here, the willing are those who present their very lives in an unqualified yes to the Lord. You need to make sure when you say yes to him, Lord, I'm willing that you're really willing. And you can't just say, I'm only willing this much or this much or this much or only for this area or only for that area. When you say, I'm willing... What if Jesus had come here and said, well, Lord, I'm willing to go to the earth. I'm willing to be born as a man. I'm willing to grow up 
in a human body and experience all the things that men experience. I'm willing to, 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 to sacrifice for you. I'm willing to be tempted of the devil. I'm willing to be, to be all these different things. But that cross thing, I, 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 don't, I don't think so. When Jesus said yes to the Father, he said yes to everything the Father would ever ask him to do. And see, as believers, we need to have that same kind of commitment. And, you know, I, I know it's, it's a personal decision sometimes. Um, God's not going to ask you to do something and make you do it then. He's leaving it up to you to choose to do what he asks you to do. Sometimes people aren't open to hearing what he wants them to do. They're not open to anything he might say. Why? Sometimes it's just out of fear. Sometimes it's like I have a sense of unworthiness. Oh, I can't do that. Sometimes they're looking at their, themselves and what their, their ability, own natural abilities are and their own personalities are and their own hang-ups are. But God just said, just say Yes. You know, if you'll just say yes, he'll take care of the other stuff. He will help you take care of anything else. Um, he's not going to violate our free will. He's given us the choice to say yes to him when it came to salvation. He gives you the choice to say yes to anything he asks you. Anything he puts out there in front of you, he's given you the choice. You know, and you know, I, I go back to the Old Testament. I set before you this day life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. So tonight I just tell you, whatever God's asking you, if you know without a shadow of a doubt God's asking you for, to do a particular thing, just choose the right thing. He's not going to ask you to do something that's not going to benefit you. You don't see it, maybe. You don't see how it could possibly benefit you. You don't see how it could possibly help you, how it could be a blessing in your life. But I'm telling you, anything God asks you to do, will, you will look down the road it's at one point and go, I am so glad I said yes. I am so glad he asked me to do that. And uh, you, sometimes we just struggle with the, the willingness to be willing, I've been there many times. You know, like I said, you've heard the story before. When, when, when I was growing up, it was like the last thing I will ever do is marry a preacher. Not going to do it. I grew up in a preacher's house. I am not marrying one. And I didn't. He was far from it the day I said I do. Far from it. So I didn't think I had anything to worry about. You know, and so when, when I began to see God on him, I began to see a call on him. Um, you know, my heart was filled with dread, absolute dread. And then there came the day when he said, I, I believe I'm supposed to go to Bible school. I'm supposed to quit my job and go to Bible school. And, you know, all I could do was, oh, here, Lord, here it is. Here it is. Here it comes. And the question was, is your spouse willing to, is agreeable to this? That was on the application. And I had to sign yes or no. And so, you know, it's kind of like the feeling that I can't beat City Hall. So I reluctantly put yes on the box and sent it off with the qualification that, okay, this is, this is okay, but promise me we will never pastor. And so, you know, the long story short, here we are, 37 years later, doing what I said I would never do. And, and, you know, I just find myself, you know, there are times when in life you just have to find yourself to the place where, Lord, help me to become willing. 
You know, when, when you're resistant and hesitant to doing some of the things that you, you think God might ask you to do, the first thing you do is say, Lord, help me become willing. Help me. He will. For it's God that works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You know, when I go to him with that, say, Lord, help me. Just help me to see this the way I ought to see it. Help me to get my mind around this thing. Help me to expand what you're putting in my heart to do. Just help me be willing. And he will do that. Um, Philippians 2, 13. You know, I just quoted this verse. But the Amplified says, Not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and the desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. That's a mouthful, but I'm telling you what, that's a wonderful mouthful. So he wants us just to be willing. Your willingness may evolve step by step just like mine has over the years. You know, but it it can evolve. You know, if your heart is to truly do what God wants you to do, then you can evolve into the place that God can use you to the fullest capacity. Number two, he wants you to be available. Available. You know, a person with just good intentions never accomplishes anything. Some people are willing, but, yeah, I don't have time. You know, I'm not here. I'm not there. But willingness is vital and foundational, and it's an important heart issue in serving God. Now, listen, God knows you have a family. God knows you work a job. God knows you have other things going on. But I'm telling you what, you need to look at all those things and say, Lord, you help me figure out how to get all this done so I have the time. But you have to make up your mind that you're going to find the time for God. You have to make yourself available. If that means cutting out this or that or the other, then do it. You will never regret giving up anything, any part of your time or any section or any portion of your life to do something that, that, you, that you feel like God is asking you to do without him returning it to you over and over and over and over. You won't miss it at all. I promise you. You won't. You can have the best heart in the world. You can pray many prayers of consecration. But just practically speaking, if you don't have some availability to offer, your willingness will never find expression. Never find it. Every time the pastor presents an opportunity to serve, if you say, wow, man, I'd like to do that. But, you know, I am just so busy. I've got so much going on. You just don't understand my life, pastor. You know, I laugh sometimes at single people who say they don't have time. And I'm thinking, are you kidding? You who have no family, no spouse, no children, you don't have time? Really? You know, there are always, there's always a way to make time. Just wait until the day you, you came, you, you get to that family part of your life. You know, you've got kids running around. And you look back and go, what was I thinking when I was single? Well, I mean, what did I do with all my time? What, what happened? What happened all that time? Just frittered away. Because, you know, we, we can find time to do what we want to do. Uh-huh. We can make 
a way to get to wherever we want to go if we want to go bad enough. That's why a lot of people don't make it to church because they don't want to go bad enough. So everything in the world interferes with it. They don't have time for church. They don't have time for this. They don't have time. No, I can't, I can't come 30 minutes early to serve as an usher. Oh, no. no. Well, if I took that position in the church, then I'd have to stay after church. I might have to be there for an extra 10 minutes. Well, whoop-dee-doo. Are you available or not? Having time designated to serve God indicates well-set priorities and a disciplined approach to life. I remember a story Gloria Copeland told years ago about uh, how they had moved to this place and, and they were back in the days where they didn't have much financially and didn't have much materially and God had blessed her with some old furniture and she was going to refinish it. And she had this project she, she wanted to get done and, and, and the Lord put it on her heart to spend X amount of time in prayer every single day. She's thinking, well, with, if I do that, then I don't know when I'm going to have time to get this done. Da, 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 da. She decided to make herself available to what the Lord had asked her to do. And at the end of just a couple of weeks, she not only had been faithful to the assignment he had given her, but those pieces of furniture were finished as well. You know, I know that there's a grace to do the rest of the things that you need to do if you give God first dibs of your time. Let him have first. You know, there's the principle of, of first fruits when it comes to your money, when it comes to tithing, also applies to your time. Oh, you need to take a look at your schedule and see, how much time do I give God, you know, in my own personal time? See, some people think that just giving God their time during personal devotional time is plenty. That's sufficient. I don't need to do more. Yes, you do. You know, we covered that in some of the first two lessons on this and, you know, talked about how we're fitly framed together, that we're fitly joined together, that he set the members in the body as it pleases him. There's a place reserved for you to serve in the local church. And you need to make sure that you set that time aside for him. Just like you set that 10% of your income aside for him. You need to look at that time as this is God's time. This is, this is God's time and I don't touch that with something else. Obviously things come up, you know, maybe somebody gets sick in your house and you have to be home with them, vacations, it may be a work assignment. There are always going to be some things that you can't avoid, but you can work around them. You can still work around them if you want to. So you have to make yourself available. Remember Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these other things will be added to you. And we just need to look at it that way, that we have to put God first, make sure we have time to serve him. And um, just see what needs to be doing. You know, we, we talked about the fact that there's a lot of opportunities to serve that nobody will ever see. Like prayer. Spending time in prayer years ago, Miss Ruth Dunn, her, her habit was every day to take the church directory and to go down and to pray for everybody in the church. And as the Lord led her, she would stop on certain names and she would spend time praying for that particular family. Those are things you can do. You can spend 10 minutes driving by her on your way home from work. 
Stop and do some weeding. Do, get a broom out. Go do whatever. We have somebody who comes out here to the church on Sunday mornings very early a lot of times and makes sure the sidewalks are swept and then goes home, comes back later. See, nobody has to know because it's really, you're not looking hopefully for a reward from people. You're looking for a blessing from God. And he always pays. He always, he always gives you richly. When you give to him, he will give back to you richly. It doesn't matter who knows about it, who sees it, or who says anything to you. It matters that it, this is between me and him. You know, it just, it's, it's me. Lord, I'm available. Whatever, whatever. You show me something that I can do. Don't go to the pastors and say, well, well, well what positions do you have open? You can tell a lot with body language a lot of times. Yeah. Well, well, well what is there to do? Okay, well, now that don't sound good. Reminds me of the times when we have people come by here wanting money. You know, people, just transients and stuff. And over the years, we've said to them, well, we've got this, this, and this you can do. Oh, no, I don't do that. Okay. Go on down the road then. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. Well, listen, you know, if you can't do this, then you don't need my money. You know, and God's not looking for you to just put you in a place that's, satisfies you. Sometimes it's a good thing for him to put us in a place that we would rather not be in. Just to prove a point. That I can be willing and that I can be available to do anything. Anything. You know, and, and it's, um, it's a good lesson to learn. It helps us grow. You grow a lot by doing the things that you'd rather not do. But you do them because God has asked you to do them or that you see a need. It causes tremendous growth in people. Amen. So we're going to move on. Number three. Hallelujah. You can spend a lot of time on each one of these, but because I really do want to finish tonight, we're just going to do the highlights. Amen. Number three, faithful. Oh, my goodness. I have got pages of notes on faithfulness that I, won't, that I did not bring out here. Aren't you glad? But you know what? Faithfulness is required. I wrote myself a little note on here and highlighted in yellow. It says, people who aren't faithful become a liability to the work of God. You're not a help. You're a liability. If you're not faithful. I, I, I had this go-round with somebody years ago about faithfulness and about you know, putting people to work. And their opinion was, you put somebody to work in a position you know, so they can become faithful. And I went, no, 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 no. They have to be faithful before I give them that job. And the way they prove their faithfulness is to start in this place. And then they get moved to this place. Faithfulness brings promotion. Will always bring promotion. You know, but if you're not, you're not ready to do this, I, you know, you, you, over 37 years, you get an opportunity to see a lot of things. You get an opportunity to get a lot of examples. Uh, somebody who uh, said they were a really good teacher, you know, and pastor is very good about opening the pulpit up, you know, to somebody on a Wednesday night, to, you know, to give them an opportunity to, to teach. And um, besides just me, thank you, Jesus. And... Uh, this man would would like to, would want he wanted to teach and he had kind of made that known not not at really overtly but we, we we knew what he wanted but the thing about it was he wasn't willing to be an usher just didn't want to do that didn't want to have anything to do with it 
would, would, not, uh, would not volunteer for that. Consequently, he never got the opportunity to teach. If you're not willing to do the things that you think are maybe just so-so or not all that important, you will never get to do anything important. You know, the Bible talks about he that's faithful in a little. God would make him ruler over much. Some, I, I've seen people who wanted to go into the ministry who would not be faithful in their local church. You know, and the Bible also talks about a man who is not faithful in what belongs to another man. God won't promote. So faithfulness is important. It's one of the most important things that you can possibly encounter as far as qualifications to be in the ministry of helps. Great, there are people who are great starters, but bad finishers. They start, it's like, you know, it's kind of like the tortoise and the hare. You know, that, that tortoise is just plodding along, you know, step by step by step by step. And the hare races out, you know, and before long he's tired and he can't make it. And here comes the tortoise plodding along, you know, you doing okay? All right. It keeps on going. See, that's what people need to do. Start where you are. Start where it doesn't look like it's just as thrilling as you maybe think it ought to be. Where it's not as um, spectacular. It's not as seen. It's not this or that. Lots of people want to see it be seen on the platform. You know, again, got a lady that, that, used, that used to come here years ago. Beautiful voice. She, wanted, she didn't want to be part of the choir. She wanted to be a soloist. If you're not willing to be part of the choir, you'll never be a soloist. That's just all there is to that. Faithful people, this is what uh, Brother Tony Cook said. He said, faithful people have always been in a marked minority. Over in Proverbs, in the New English translation, Solomon said that. He said, many people profess their loyalty, but a faithful person who can find. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. Faithfulness defines a person. It defines who they are in life, in every area of their life. And a faithful person is a person who shows up regularly, serves eagerly, and follows through on their assignments. You know, showing up regularly means showing up early, if that's, if that's the case. Being early. You know, I, I know of a lot of churches where they have, you know, a couple of services. And, uh, like, their music department has to show up, like, like 7.30 in the morning. Dear Lord, the sheet streaks haven't even faded off most people at 7.30. And yet these folks have to be there that early. You know, some of them, I mean, even earlier than that, depending on the time of the services that are there. But they show up eagerly. It's tough to work with people who aren't eager to be there and eager to do what they're there to do. It shows in their, um, in the task that they do. It shows in what they, how they accomplish that task. It shows in the way they work with others. If they're not eager to do it, you know, it's, it's almost pointless to be there. Uh, let's see. I noticed this, this about somebody. If you go to anybody else's church, you can, you can ask the pastor. 
about a certain person, and, and or he'll say, you'll ask him, who's faithful? He goes, that person right there, that is a faithful person. That is one of my most faithful workers. Anytime I need anything and they find out about it, they are right there to volunteer for that job. And I know I can count on them. I know it'll get done. Every pastor has some of those people. He should have a lot more than he does have most of the time. Thank God we got a lot of good ones around here. Amen. But, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes, you know, it's not so much that you're gifted to fill a job. It's just that you know there's a job to be done and you're willing to fill it. That's the faithful person will do that. You know, and I know anybody who's called into the end of the ministry, you know, is going to be willing to do anything that needs doing. You need the grass mowed, Pastor? I'll mow the grass. You need somebody to go serve in primary? I'll go serve in primary. You need somebody over, over to do this? I'll do this. You need somebody just to sit out in the lobby and just watch the front doors? I'll do it, Pastor. Whatever you want, I'll do it. I'll be happy to do it. Listen, there are certain jobs that I, I wish I could do instead of having to ask somebody to do it. Because it's like, man, I hate to ask somebody to do that. You know, it needs doing, but I hate to ask, you know. But invariably, in time I do, you know, there's somebody that God has waiting who's, got a, who's faithful and who's willing and who's available, and the job gets done. And I just say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. They, they're ready to take their, whatever skills they have and just do it, you know. And if they don't have, that's the next thing. God's looking for people who are skilled. Well, what does that mean, skilled? Well, that means that there are areas in life where, you know, if you have a particular skill already, skill set in your, in your daily life, make sure you offer it to your church. Make sure you take that ability, that talent, that gifting, that training, and take it to your, church, to your local church and say, how can I put this to work? You know, what do you need? What can this, how can this be a blessing? You know, I mean, there's, there's people here, you know, who, who have expertise in a lot of different things and who have been a blessing over the years. Doyle and Jane owned an AC company for years and years. You know, and any time we needed help with that, they were always there with information, with help. You know, start there. Whatever you can do, do for your church. That doesn't mean you're exclusive, that you have to spend all your time doing it for your church, but at least offer it. To your church. Offer to be a blessing with that part of your life. And then, you know, if, if you aren't skilled, but, you know, you feel like the Lord is, is, is leading you to, to take on that particular task in the job, then equip yourself. Educate yourself. Go find out how you do this. How, how can I get this done? Google, as my son tells me all the time, you can find out how to do anything. And I'm going, really? He goes, oh, yeah, you can do, you can find out on Google how to do anything. You can, there's videos and tutorials for anything you can think of. And I'm going, for real? He goes, yeah. And he tells me all this stuff that he, he did, changing out the garage door opener or something. You know, he gives me a whole litany of things. Listen, there are, there are ways you can train yourself for a particular job that needs to be done in the church. You can do that. God's looking of skillfulness. And in Psalm 78, 72, it says, this is talking about David. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Listen, 
Integrity and know-how are both involved in this. I'll, I'll go back and you look at David. There are things David learned out there on the hills with the sheep that were invaluable to him when he became king. There are things he learned as he served under Saul that were invaluable to him when he became king. All your life experiences can lead you to a place of value in the body of Christ. All the things you've learned. My daddy was a jack of all trades, you know, and he had learned so much. He never, none of the churches he ever pastored ever paid him a full-time salary. So he always had to work. And he was a man who worked with his hands. He was a carpenter. He was a painter. He was all kinds of different things. And, and everything that he ever learned, he put to use serving God as well. Everything you can do in the natural, God can put to use somehow, somewhere, some way. But you just have to give it to him. Just there's, there's a skill for us. Develop your skill in something. I, there, was, there was somebody years ago in the music department that played an instrument that we really didn't have much of a need for. And there, there came an opening that we had and a need we had for a bass guitar. And so they just looked around and went, well, the church needs a bass guitarist, and we haven't got one. So I'll just go learn how to play the bass guitar. And they did. What a, they were a huge blessing. You know, so if you have some skill sets that apply here, see how you can expand them into something else. Don't limit yourself. Well, I don't know how to do that. Well, I don't know how to do that. Find out how to do that. Train yourself how to do it. Go find, go find somebody who does know how to do that. Get, get some lessons. Get some, get some advice. Get some expertise from them. And then bring it to your local church. Let's just never stay, even, even if you are in a place that you say, well, I've been doing this for a long time. I know how this is done. Don't stop it. You know what? When I was an x-ray tech, there was something we had called continuing education. And to keep your license, you know, we all know this in the medical field, you've got to keep your license. And to keep it up, you've got to have those continuing education credits. And, you know, the way we work in the local churches, we ought to make ourselves have some, some continuing education. If you're working in a particular department, find a book. Find a seminar. Find something to help you continue your education for that position that you are serving in. That's developing your skills. That's staying on top of things. That is staying fresh. Because if you don't stay fresh in things, you'll lose some of the ability that you already have because you won't use it. You won't continue to develop it. You won't continue to put a demand on it. And therefore, it becomes... um, The word I'm looking for... um, Dormant. It just, it just dies off, you know, sometimes without you even realizing it. But uh, Henry Ford was a person who always thought, there's, there's another way, there's a better way I can do this. This is good, but I can find another way. I can find a better way. I can become more efficient at this. And so, see, we need to, we need to do that as well, always looking to find a better way, something that, though this works really well, is there some way I can tweak this? Is there some way I can make this better? Is there some way I can do this just a little more efficiently. Think about those things. You know, you have to become a lifelong learner and a committer to constant improvement. That's important in the way we serve God, and it reflects excellence. Amen. Next, we have 
a calling. And we've already talked about the fact that we are all called to the ministry of helps. You need to, you need to see that you have been called to the ministry of helps. We're all here to help him do the job that needs to be done on earth. And he puts us under pastors so that we can fulfill the vision that that part of God's vision that he's imparted to this church, we're helping him to fulfill it. Um, a calling does not take the place of all these other attributes. In fact, you must have them to have any kind of a call that's worth anything. Whether it's in the local church or whether it goes beyond the local church, you've got to be willing, you've got to be available, you've got to be faithful, you've got to be skillful, you've got to incorporate all those things, and you've got to build on it. It's, it's the thing that you will enhance and fortify what God has asked us to be and asked us to do. And, um, you know, it's, um, it's important to know that we need to broaden our horizons and we need to just look beyond just today. You know, and just see that down the road there's something else. I, you know, I sang on the on the platform for 15 years, and and I knew I needed to stop doing that, but I liked it. It was another one of those willing places. I had to get willing to let go of something so that I could get to something that was bigger than what I was considering. To me, that was that was enough, you know. Just just sing them, you know, with the, with the team, you know that that fulfills, you know, my role. I, I'm good with that, you know. But God had something more in play. But I couldn't move into it until I was willing to let go of something. There's some of you who've been serving in certain positions for a very long time, and you're a blessing. But you might need to be open to hearing God say, "It's time for you to let somebody else do that," because I've got something to move you into. You know, there's a lot of things around here we'd like to do, but if you don't have the personnel to do it, there's no point in starting it. Because the last thing you want to start is something that you can't adequately provide for people. So you don't start it unless you've got good qualified people. Well, some of you qualified people, it might be time for you to move into new territory. Be open. Be open. See, Miss Jackie, when we started talking about moving new people or younger people into some of these department head positions, she was willing to let go of that after 25 years. What did she do? She went and started serving in the babies and in the toddler room. And then God said, time to go to the mission field, girl. You can't tell me that all her years of faithfulness did not bring her to that point. Had she not been faithful all those years and not be willing to not just... Just say, okay, I'm going to hand over my department to somebody. Now I'm just going to go sit down. No, she didn't sit down, I don't think, in a week or two before she was over there and served faithfully in there until God said, time to go. See, there, there's, there's lessons to be learned. If you look around, God is, is showing you people. He'll put people right in front of you to show you and demonstrate to you how this thing works. Now, there's, there's one more we're going to get to, and it's two things kind of put together, and it's called... A teachable and a submissive heart. Now, this is awfully important. The person who is teachable will never say, I've heard that before. I have heard that so many times. Is pastor teaching on that again? Somebody said one time, well, all they ever talk about around there is victory. Well, I don't think this is exactly talking about victory tonight. 
you know, but all they ever talk about around there is victory. And I'm thinking, well, obviously you need it because you haven't attained it yet. You're having some real issues in your life and I don't see victory in it. So, I mean, you should be grateful that somebody's talking about victory all the time. You should be happy that they're keeping you pumped up and built up in the area of victory. Never, 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 ever come into a service and go, who's got the mic tonight? Oh, it happens. It happens. I remember in some of the, the uh, meetings we used to go to, Dad Hagen's, and people came, they came to hear Dad Hagen. And he'd get up and say, well, tonight I've asked Brother So-and-so to come minister. And you could just see the crowd go, oh, that's not being teachable. You know, pastor was at Raymond in 1980 when, when a, a very well-known uh, minister in charismatic circles came to the school and he taught for a week. And he got up in one particular session, you know, with the whole student body. And uh, he, he asked a question that every Every Rama student knew that was like that's not the quite that's not that's really not a good question to ask. And the student body just basically turned him off. They shut down on him. And you could tell it. I mean, I wasn't in class with him or anything, you know, but he said you could you could just tell everybody just kind of went mm, kind of put the brakes on, so to speak. And um and so uh the guest speaker could tell that they had done that, so he quickly wrapped up and you know, just let the thing whole thing go. And the next day, Dad Kagan got up in front of all of them, and he said, he said, I'm, I'm ashamed of you people, you know, that you turned Brother so-and-so off when he, when he made that comment. He said, he said, I chose to stay open to him. I, 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 knew, I knew what he said wasn't really scriptural. He said, but he said, I didn't turn him off. He said, and just a few minutes later, God gave me the answer to a question I had had for 25 years. You know, if somebody says something that you think doesn't line up or they're they're not exactly your cup of tea, you don't like the sound of their voice, you don't like the way they look, you don't like the the suit that he's got on or the dress she's got on, stay open, remain teachable. God might open your eyes to something that you've been struggling with for a long time. But when you're working within a department, you need to stay open and teachable because, number one, it's not your department. It's not yours. You're there to work. You're there to be an assist. You're there to be an aid. Don't go into something thinking, my way is better. I could do this better. Really. That's what I always think when somebody comes to me and, you know, you get through the big project and somebody looks at you and says, well, why would you do it this way? Well, why didn't you do it this way? And I'm thinking, well, why didn't you come help do it? It's a good thing I don't always say what I'm thinking. But you have to be open to whoever is teaching, whoever is ministering, whoever is in charge, whoever that is, whether you like them or whether they don't. You know, pastors talked about the fact that we're here in a body God puts us together with people that we don't seem to have much in common with, that we don't seem to like a whole lot, that we don't seem to get along with a whole lot, so that we can rub the rough edges off of one another. You know, and so just look at it as I'm being polished. You know, I'm here to work with somebody that kind of rubs me the wrong way. I'm being polished. Following the guidelines is part of being teachable and submissive. 
There are guidelines for different departments. There are qualifications for different departments. And they all apply to you if you work in that department. Too many times I have seen people who tried to skate by, not do what the guidelines for their department are, um, who want to push the envelope to get away with something, well, I, I, just, I just think that's just, just ridiculous. That, that particular qualification, that's just ridiculous. I don't know why we have to do that, so I'm just not going to do it. You know what that is? That's number one, that's disrespectful. That's, that's the kind word. The real word to that is rebellion. And as we all know, in the Old Testament, it's the Lord said that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Now, I don't want to be put in that category. A number of years ago, we had a man, a gentleman on the platform who played the guitar. And, and we had certain dress uh, requirements that we wanted people on the platform to adhere to. And, you know, we wanted him to have, you know, at the time we were doing suits, you know, ties, you could wear a sports coat and dress pants. He, he would come in, in pants that weren't dress pants. We had to go to him and say, you got... You, you got you got to wear the dress pants. And then he'd come in with shoes that I don't know what they were. And he said, hey, Pastor, I have to say, you know, you, you got to wear some, some bit different shoes. And then he decided he wasn't going to wear socks. You have to go back. You got to wear I'm thinking, why did we keep him on that platform as long as we did? Because it was obvious he had a rebellious heart and didn't want to do. He, you know, if you're going to be willing to serve in a department, you should be willing to adhere to whatever guidelines that there are in that department. You have it given to you as soon as you go into the department. You can't say that somebody pulled a fast one on you and, and gave you and suddenly changed, changed the lineup here. Nobody changed it. This is what you went to. Our guidelines have stayed the same for years. There's no reason why anybody shouldn't know it and know what they are. But there are people who want to be just, you know, no. You know, I don't want to do this. Just, they just want to see how many times they can get away with it before somebody says something. Listen, that's not a person that God's going to be able to use to do anything else. You know, that kind of rebellious attitude. You know, Keith Moore taught six whole weeks on submission and authority at Rama, And I'm thinking, how in the world can you teach six weeks, twice, two hours a week for six weeks on submission and authority, but somehow he managed to do it? When we used to go out for, for what we called CES back in those days, there was, there was all these different classes we could send people to, you know, that were in our helps ministry, and, and they'd go and they could, get, they could hear from other people who were in children's ministry or music or what. And that was just, it was like a continuing education. That's exactly what it was. And, uh, but there was one session that everybody who was not in the ministry was required to go to, and it was called Submission and Authority. And it was well needed. And it's probably something that needs to be taught again real soon, you know, in every church. But you need to get to the place where, where your attitude reflects what it should be. Don't come into any situation and while you're working in the ministry helps with an attitude. Because you really have two choices. Once you recognize that you've got an attitude, is you can either change your attitude or you can just resign from that position. So which would you like it to do? Goes takes me back to the verse about, I said before you, life and death, blessing and cursing, choose life. So if you've got an attitude and you've got two choices to make, 
Make the right one. Please make the right one. Nobody needs attitude. The devil gives us all enough attitude without us giving it to one another. You know, the thing about people with attitude is anybody ever points it out to them, it makes them mad. Now they're offended. You should be grateful somebody said, you know, you might want to check that. And say, oh, you know, you're right. I, that, that's really not good, is it? You no, know, most people who just take that and go, I'm not listening to you, and off they go. Teachable and being submissive also means you're a team player. Whatever your department is doing, be enthusiastic about it. Take it on as, as though you were in charge. Sow good seed for the day that you might be the one in charge. And don't just be faithful to your department. Be faithful to your church as a whole. You know, I saw somebody a number of years ago who could never come to church on Sunday night or Wednesday night, but they would never miss music practice. And we finally had to say, that's not the way this works. We want you in church before we want you on the, on the music team. Before you get up there and play that instrument, we know it's more important for you to be in the service. So if you have to make a choice, your choice would be the service, not practice. Well, then I can't serve there. Well, that's your choice. You have to make the time. And around here, you know, when it comes to like the music department, Brother Steve is, is very flexible, and he does some things on Sunday mornings before you all get here, and sometimes they have Thursday night practices. Used to, we had Thursday night every week, and so it was a commitment to come another night. But the way he's rearranged now, that's not so much of an issue. But anytime you're serving anywhere, make sure that your first commitment is to being in a service, not being serving out there. Remember we talked about how, you know, we don't want people to get burned out. You're up when your outgo exceeds your input. Your upkeep becomes your downfall. You're not helping yourself, and you're really not helping the church when you choose to come to a department function over coming to the service. Not too many amens on that. That's okay. Um, your department's not a place to do your own thing. You're to do the thing of the person who is in charge of that department who ultimately answer to the pastor. And hopefully they're doing what? He wants them to do, which means you should do what they've asked you to do because you should understand that if he put them in that place, then he has confidence in them to get the job done. And you should just, you should respond as though the pastor stood in front of you and asked you to do that. If you've got a problem with somebody, pray, number one, before you say. Pray before you say. So that when you do say to them, I have a problem with this. It comes out the way it ought to. And it doesn't stir up a hornet's nest. Um, I'm going to have to avoid a couple of things here. All right, just to kind of wrap this up, let me go, have you go to Ephesians 4. Let's start in verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, this is Paul talking, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein you are called. I have a note here in my Bible, that word vocation, that I have written here, and I don't know where it came from. It, it says vocation, a divine invitation for service. You need to walk worthy of that divine invitation for service that God has called you to. It says with all lowliness and meekness, 
and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all, but unto every one of us is given grace. In some translations, we'll say gifts according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And also that that word gift there can be endowment. Then go with me to uh, verse 16, the same chapter. And it talks about from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. Nobody is exempt from the call to serve in the local church. The people who ignore that call become what I call welfare Christians. They're willing to let everybody do the work and then enjoy the benefits. There is nothing that you will do in the local church that does not benefit the local church, benefit that particular service, benefit the church as a whole. But it says, it says uh, that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Um, 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty six. I just want you to understand by reading these, these few scriptures, there's more, but we won't go to them tonight, 1426, that it is incumbent upon every one of us, not just a few, but every one of us to be servants in the local church. Verse 26, how is it then, brethren? This is the, this is the motto for a believer's meeting, which means that you ha- everybody has something. And everybody has a place in the local church. And everybody has a place in a believer service. And everybody has a place and a job to fulfill. And every, every part of every function that we ever do, whether it's a service, a fellowship, what, we've all got something to do. It says, how is it, brethren, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm, has a doctrine, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. And then I want you to understand that as believers, we have rights, and we call upon those rights every single day. We have a right to be healed. We have a right to prosper. We have a right to experience victory in every part of our lives. We, there's a lot of rights that we, that we have as born-again, blood-washed, spirit-filled people of God. But we have responsibilities as well. And our responsibility that we have responsibilities to our local church to fulfill the places that needs to be filled. Because as we do it, again, we're partners with God, sharing in the assignment that he's given to Jesus and then to our pastor. We're here to help equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, and we're helping people grow. But you may not think being an usher helps people grow. It does. You may not think serving in tiny tots helps people grow. Yes, it does. You may not think that just being in the audio or the video helps people. Yes, it does. Everything that anybody does is a help to the rest of the body. But if you look at it as the fact that we are privileged, we are honored, we are, should be glad that God is allowing us the, the, the opportunities that he's allowing us to have to serve him 
and to serve our, our brothers and sisters, to serve in the local church, we would do it so much better. Because in Psalm 100, verse 2, it says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve him with gladness. And in Colossians 3, 23, it says, Well, go over there. I want you to read that. don't know what version you have, but this is my old King James. Colossians 3, 23. And whatever you do, now he's talking about, yeah, in the verses before, he's talked to husbands, he's talked to children, he talked to fathers, he talked to servants. You know, and, and we are servants. All of us are servants. Jesus came as a servant, not to be served, but to be a servant. And we should have the same mindset. And so verse 23, it says, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. The message translation of that says it like this. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. You're not serving men. You're serving Christ. You're, when, you serve, when you serve him, you're serving people. You know, we had, a, had aprons that we used in the kitchen a long time ago. Serving, serving him by serving you. And that was, that was a good motto to put on that apron. You know, that was in the context of food. But you know what? It's the same in any area, in every area of the church. You know, and we really want to position ourselves to, to be what we all need to be so that when the harvest begins to come in, we're ready for them. People need to come in to a church and see a church in action. This is where we see it first. Then you take what you learn here, what you get here, and you take it out into the world, and you spread it out there. But it's amazing. You can't, you can't do that without your local church. You will not be effective. People think, well, I can be an effective Christian without going to church. Not really. You can be effective to a measure, but if God could pull back the curtain and show what you could be, you would run eagerly and say, let me do whatever needs doing. Because God's got more for us, and we need to be ready for it. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.